I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Welcome to your favorite 20-ish, 30-ish minutes of the day. This one is the what? Yeah, <laughs> one of those. This is the Precisely Simple Podcast, your source for the latest news, interviews, and stories from the manufacturing world. Here, we will dive headfirst into the world of manufacturing and the people that make it thrive. I'm Brandon. And I'm Kyle. Hello. Hello. Nice to see all of you. Well, see all of you. Hear all of you. No, not even hearing you. Nice to have you listening to us <laughs> this week. <laughs> we are going to continue the discussion we started as a part of our multi-part season finale, um, discussing you know uh, the industry, discussing the skills gap in the United States, and really, honestly, the world, and uh, some of how all of that really affects us, and, and talk about some good stuff. So before we get too far into it, uh, like we do every single time we talk, red light, green light, let's see how the shop was going. So Kyle, how was your week this week? It was good. Good. Shop's running good. Um, we got some uh, robotic implementation that goes live for production next week that we've been working on for a while. Nice. Um, so uh, it's it's got one project down, moving on to the next 50. So it's, Oh, that's uh, all. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. So it's... It's uh, it's doing good, and uh, we're trying to figure out, you know, again, like the like the rest of our production schedule for the rest of the year, making sure the vendors are all on track, right? All that kind of stuff, because like I said, next thing we know, it's going to be December, and oh man, it's twenty twenty one already. So oh my god, I know. Yeah, it is. So. Oh gosh, it is. Um, we have been, you know, we. We almost finished the last project. It got to the very end, and everybody was very stressed out that they couldn't finish both the assembly pieces and the circuits. And so I gave my students relief right at the end. I said, listen, we'll finish the circuits in the next couple of weeks. Just go ahead and finish your mechanical build. Um, we had a lot of success. We had some amazing parts come out of this stuff. And I'm always excited about this project because of how well it goes. Um, you know, they just, they respond so well to this. Um, I was going to say, in, in what way though? Like, is it, do they learn like a couple different things or just do the kids do it easily or do they just learn a lot in one lesson? You know, so here's what happens. So the students, you know, being teenagers, they function similar to the way that we do where, you know, we come across something that's difficult and we don't think we can make it happen. Right. And we're like, oh, this is just going to be so hard. And that becomes the thing that slows us down more than anything else. Well, the students are the same way. If I give them a project that seems too hard or they see something too hard, if you let them know that they can get away with not doing it, they don't do it. So in this one, it's a project that is, it sounds simple because they can choose whatever they want. You know, they have simple parameters to fit inside, but their timeline is so tight. And throughout it, I add different things that induce stress. Um, I will then tell them, you know, uh, three days into it, okay, well, you're going to have to add these components now. And then a week into it, okay, now you're limited by this material. Uh, you know, a couple more days into it, okay, now you're going to have to change, and this is actually the items you need on your BOM, which is very similar to how it is in the real world. I was going to say, that just sounds like a regular engineering project. I don't, it, know, I don't know why, <laughs> why it's that much different. Exactly. <laughs> so... so Scope, scope changes three times. Sketches. Uh, revision, know, revision. Revisions change. Uh, who's involved in the project. And exactly. And production needs it done. Yeah. And so and so the goal is in this, um, and I think there's, I have been told by other professionals that there's a particular teaching philosophy, I can't remember the guy's name, that if you get students to the point where 
it's almost beyond their grasp, but that's when the best learning actually occurs. Um, and that's yeah. what this is. So we're pushing them right to the edge of stress, but without you know, being very supportive so they don't actually get stressed out. We're just putting them in a situation that's simulating what they would realize in the real world. Um, so adding Allo- these different- Allows them to grow though. Like Absolutely. very, very quickly. Yeah, 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 very much so. And it pushes their creativity. So they know they can do something. They want to do something. They come up with these grand ideas. And if I tell them, yes, do it, follow through with it and make it happen, um, they push themselves to do it. And some of the projects that come out are things that even I'm like, wow, in my head, I'm thinking, I didn't know if you were going to make this happen on time or not. And they do. And then when they do and it works and it functions the way they were hoping, just the sheer transition it causes in them is enormous. They, they see that they can do it. They get really excited about it. They, they embrace the curriculum. You know, like that, at that point I get buy-in. This is yeah. when they're sold. They're like, yes, this works. This makes sense. I get it. And oh my God, I could do this. I can do anything. Um, so it really opens their eyes to the shop as a whole where before they're thinking it's just cool machines, cool software, cool 3d printers, whatever. But then when they actually come up with something and then within two weeks have it in their hands, it changes everything. Um, and so that's what happened this time around. And some of the students and stuff, I still had one today. He just wouldn't leave at the end of the bell, like the end of the day, he was like, I got to finish the circuit. I'm almost done. And he did. He got it all done. He got his little blinking LED in it. He put the piece together, snapped together. You know, it's just a tiny little, like, it looks like a rocket ship model that he came up with. But it's got a blinking little blue LED. But he built the whole thing. Like, he drew the whole thing in CAD. He tested it. He changed it. He revved it. He printed it. He did the whole circuit. And then he put it together, and it was in his hand. And it's just... But that's so gratifying, especially it's, for someone younger like that. Like to to that's what draws all of us to engineering and manufacturing. That's what draws me to engineering and manufacturing. Is oh, absolutely going from just uh, I had literally an idea on a napkin or in CAD, and I'm holding the working thing in my hand. It's and it works. huge, and yeah. the same gratification we get being in the field is the same that they got. Yeah, um, and they get so we're cool. We're at that point where they're doing that. They're feeling that. Um, and we're seeing it, you know, some of them don't get that same connection, but a good solid 75% of them do. And then the other ones, they see the light of the tunnel. It just takes a little bit longer to get there. So it was a good, it was a good week in that respect. Um, it was a bad week when it came to digital learning because man, let me tell you something, teenagers <laughs> first thing in the morning, <laughs> there's not much there. <laughs> there's, there's no communication and it is, it is difficult for me to be energized about the the curriculum if they're not energized about it. And it's already hard enough trying to translate a hands-on system to a digital hands-off thing. So that yeah. part gets frustrating, but Hey, you know, every job's got it. So I'm, I'm happy. They still, they still pay me to come in every day. So I am still absolutely happy to be there. <laughs> <laughs> and I got, um, and there's no, I mean, my wife's looking at me remiss if I weren't to say something about it, but, uh, I got a nice little recognition this week, actually. Um, I, I saw that on the medias of social. On the old socials of medias, yeah. Yeah, I did. That was, um, awesome. that was yeah, it was great. I got there's an engineering and technology association. They they awarded me their new teacher of the year for 2020. So that was pretty cool. Now is that statewide or nationwide? That is statewide. Wow. So for the state of Georgia. So that's pretty State cool. of Georgia actually thought you were worth something. Got him. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> no, I, I I tell them every time I'm like, I, I, are you sure about this? Every time. But you know what? It's, 
I, we learned so much. I think about it when we're in the shop and you know, the people who have been there forever and the old timers usually end up teaching us the most valuable stuff um, that we have in yep. our careers. And yep. I, I think it's turning out to be the same way that having professionals come in from industry and be the, the voice of the education of the new generation of people coming in. I feel like we have a chance to offer, you know, a much more valuable curriculum that's not then not necessarily say it's better, but it, it just definitely has more value invested in what we're teaching them. Cause we know what to teach them. Like something like this. Yeah. You know, yep. so this is what you're actually going to see in the real world. And it helps our employers get more prepared for struggling with the skills gap, which, hey, leads us into manufacturing. <laughs> well, yeah. no, manufacturing minute. I skipped it. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I overtalked. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. So let's dive into the manufacturing decoded, the big stuff, the good stuff. We started our talk about blue collar, and I kind of want you to lead us into this, Kyle. Get us, get us kicked off on this one. Well, kind of what we really want to talk about. Uh, this week, uh, again, as, as we kind of lead into this multi-part series to really kind of finish off our, our season for the year is, is you know, the, this whole blue-collar stigma. And I, I, think I, I think I typed this in the notes, but it's, it's, there's a, a stigma that has been attached to it. And I talked a little bit about it last week with kind of where the term blue-collar came from right. and a lot of the preconceived uh, societal notions of what blue collar meant and what kind of a person was automatically typecast. I mean, you hear, you hear the term typecasting in acting, right? Well, the blue collar, uh, stigma or the blue collar typecasting is no different. It's, it's that, that societal label that says that, Oh, well, if you work in this kind of industry or this kind of job, or you work with your hands that, Eh, you're just not as good as the other people that don't. And that's really what we're trying to fight. Uh, both. I, I know, you know, Brandon's doing it on the education side and we're doing it as a company morale and, and, and on the manufacturing side is, mm-hmm. is that that is the most untrue thing that, that both of us can, <laughs> can say. We can't is, say it any harder. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I don't, I don't know how to yell it any louder. I don't know how to, how to tell people any differently that that is so far from the truth. It's just, it's not even like it's, it's, it's almost comical. Um, and, and that's what we are trying to uh, essentially express and tell people and, and trying to, to, you know, if there are other employers that listen to this or there's educators that listen to this or just people that maybe have been brought up or taught that stigma from an early age or that, that thought process that a, a certain career path or a certain thing yields a result. And I know Brandon talked about this, you know, where, where the, just because of you do this doesn't necessarily mean you can't achieve success or you yeah. can't achieve fulfillment in your life. Yeah. Success and, and fulfillment is, is not yeah. inversely proportional. Yep. Yeah. So what, what we're really trying to do is, is to, to push that image, push that, mentality it's a way of thinking and and a lot of people are very stuck in their ways with that and the u.s i think that's kind of what's changed the manufacturing dynamic in the u.s and why why we've uh, not become the most industrial and tech savvy nation in the world we're, we're, we're not anymore like i i am i am 100 percent right. go america go american manufacturing but we're not the best at it we have we have our strengths, but there are some other countries that that 
just have some better to have some better to have a better mentality about it and it sucks and i think we can get back to it i think we're we're definitely on our way but there's a lot of things that have to change both mentally and then as a society on on making this a priority again where it is okay to to think you know and and okay to uh be I'm trying to think what's the best way to put it. You know, be be something that is not the norm and be okay with it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I completely agree. You know, when uh you know, Deloitte and the Manufacturing Institute every year they put out the the report on manufacturing and it's been yeah. focused on the skills gap for years now. Um, and one of the key factors that they talk about in an issue with the skills gap is the bad impression that manual, you know, that, that skills and manufacturers have, um, coming from more than not more than anything, the, the parents actually, you know, like the generation before us, yep. um, is, is really where a lot of the stigma actually they're you know, in studies are saying that this is where a lot of it's landing because the newer generations coming into this, you know, they, they, if they show an interest in it and they show that this might be something that they want to explore, they're being told by their, you know, elder people above them, you know, that's not what you want to do. Look, that's just your B, that's your plan B. So really that's, that's a good way to put this. We need to switch the understanding that this is simply not an, uh, an industry of plan B. Yeah. This the, is, the, 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 this is not your backup. No. Like your, your, your backup doesn't have to be because you didn't get the societal norm of the four-year underwater basket weaving degree. And I, <laughs> I still use that term jokingly because it, it's a very good representation of what uh, the educational system has really, um, I guess, kind of not really turned into, but it's, it's what it's made it to be okay. It has. It has. Uh, and and it's, it's one of those, it's just, it's so frustrating, you know, coming... And again, I, I know I've talked about my background in, in past episodes, but I am, I have followed both paths. I went to a four year engineering university, but at the same time, I can go hop on a manual lathe and machine all day long. I can go program a, you know, seven axis, uh, mill turn lathe. I can go program our six axis robots. Uh, we, you know, I do, I, I started all the, all the programming on our five axis laser fiber laser. So, you know, I have both sides of the equation and, you know, I still would keep the path that I've chosen because it's given me a lot of unique skills, but I'll be the first to say it is not for everyone. It just happened to work for me. Right. And it's, it's, but I'm also, I am who I am because of the diversity of education that I do have though, because I have a lot of trade education. I have more trade education than I do traditional school education by probably four to five X. Okay. Uh, I mean, I've been welding for over 20 years, almost 25 years, actually. Oh, oh man. God. I mean, you're feeling old now. I've been welding. Yeah, I've been welding 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. God. Um, so it's, it's one of those where it's, um, you know, I, I will applaud anyone to go in either direction or both or whatever. I, I, I'm not, I'm not one of those that, you know, like we, we have some of our employees that kind of been asking of like, you know, how do we, how do we move up in the company? How do we, how do we get, you know, do I just need to go get a, a degree? I'm like, no, 
No. You need to figure out what you want to do. And if you want to run CNC machines, you, uh, do you want to learn how to start programming all the robots in here? You're not going to go to school for that. If you want, if you want us to send you to classes, we'll be happy to send you to training academies. I'll send you to, you know, the, the Doosan training Academy or here, here's the programming manual, start reading right? and, and stuff like that. Like if you want to better yourself, you don't have to go sit in a classroom. Uh, the internet is an amazing thing, good or bad. Yeah, yeah, um, that's and there's tons of information on there and that you can learn what you want to learn if you actually want to learn it. It's this, I mean, (laughs) this is one of those things where you're just like, it's coming from so many directions that you wish you could just attack all of them at the exact same time and, and make it clear that you've, you've got to stop this. You know, we've got to fix this. Um, one of the other, you know, coming from my side of things, you know, I am, I'm, I'm fighting with, I'm fighting with obviously not physically, but fighting with parents and fighting with uh, guardians who, again, have that same impression that this is the direction that they need to go. And I am also fighting with um, professionals even who yeah. are, um, you know, from academia, uh, from academia that obviously it makes sense for them. You know, it's, it's money that they need coming in and it's, you know, they've got to keep their students in there. Sure. Uh, But the other thing I'm noticing is we, for example, we work a whole lot with um, some of the first robotics teams in the area. Um, And if anybody here who doesn't know anything about first, I think uh, it's, it's an acronym, but you can look it up. There's, there's, yeah, yeah, they love acronyms. There's, um, A bunch of different levels of it from elementary school up to high school and even there's some colleges and other uh, industries who participate in this and it's a yearly robotic challenge so there are engineering students and groups everywhere but the biggest people they leverage and that they need and that they always want help with are the manufacturers um yeah there is there's a desperate need for them to be able to get things water jet or to have sheet metal bent or to have components machined we, and, we used to machine for one of the one of the schools in atlanta we, we used to machine a lot of the parts before they got their uh before they got their big router we used to we machined all their wheel bearing housings and all of their uh multi-joints and uh me and a couple other friends sat on the kind of the technology we were advisors you know, like we didn't come in and do it for the kids, but we understood how stuff is manufactured. You know, we, we had a manufacturing shop at the time. So we essentially got them as far as possible to even like, hey, like you, you got 50 wheel bearing cups. Why don't you just come in in the evening and we'll let you run them in on CNC. We'll, we'll program them. We'll show you how to do. We'll let you help set up. So, you know, you got a 15 year old kid that is going from, you know, playing in CAD in high school. Right. To he's running the machined parts and measuring every one of them, holding bearing tolerances, you know, at 15 years old. And, and it's, the sa- it's the same as yeah. this project. They're seeing it happen, and they're yeah. They the younger people, I feel like, have a strong connection to seeing something virtually and then seeing it in their hand. That epiphany when it hits them, it's impactful. It's hugely impactful that they see well, that previous generations. I think even even my generation was kind of the start of it, of seeing uh, a digital idea become a tangible piece. So like my generation, I guess I'm 
end of X, mm-hmm. beginning of millennial. I don't yeah. want to really call myself that, but um, but our generation was kind of the first, especially on the manufacturing side, of taking something from a computer and making a tangible part. Because you got to think a lot of that before. You're talking, uh, you know, even in the '80s, they were still hand drawing stuff, right? You know, you had some basic CAD, 2D stuff, like, you know, old school AutoCAD, MicroStation, old old stuff like that. Um, but this generation, especially the newer, you know, the, the kids that you're teaching, they they can they can actually make the digital to tangible connection. And I think it's more impactful and allows them to, it's easier for them to visualize what, can happen and how the process evolves so they have a wider scope of how stuff is actually made how things are actually done versus oh well that's on a piece of paper i don't know how to draw in 3d this and this and this and you know so i think past generations saw bits and pieces of it this newer generation can see the whole process and that's actually why it's so much so much more important to have them start earlier because there's more involved in what they're doing now. And and people should be and this is the the younger people don't have the same kind of, you know, impression. I mean, even when we're younger, we don't have the impression of things that we're taught over time. You know, we don't like the controversial stuff even like race and things like that as a child you don't see these things you don't you don't connect anything to it you're you're taught that you're taught that kind of stuff and this impression that people have of of manufacturing and machining and everything else related to it is taught and catching people younger and even changing minds and and helping people understand the opportunity available in this is is an important part of it and i don't think I, I, some of the parts that I don't think are getting across is that, you know, we did have a time where manufacturing, it maybe fit the stigma for a little while, you know, that sure. the people that were going into this, you know, maybe they didn't think much, you know, they didn't think much of what they had planned and this was their plan B. Sure. And for a while there, the pay reflected that. Yep. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a key opportunity in some of this, but that didn't last very long before things really started shifting, especially as advanced as technology has been and as fast as it's been pushing and changing, mm-hmm. uh, seeing the need for highly skilled, technologically advanced professionals coming into this field is critical. Um, along with that, even ma- every manufacturer is recognizing the importance of lean and a huge part of every single lean program in practice is that place needs to be clean and spotless as best it can be. Yeah. And that, and people have to be efficient and people have to be efficient. And this instantly changes the perception of what people thought they understand because people still, I think in their heads, see the 1930s, you know, flour mill working person and coveralls yeah. suffered in soot yep. and, it's just not the case at all. These are all very clean cut, you know, well taken care of, usually yeah. facilities. Yeah. And and so that <laughs> really leads uh, very well into that article that I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it actually, and on my, my favorite Industry Week website. There um, it is. <laughs> came out yesterday and the t- it was so perfect for this episode. I was like, oh, I, I have to talk about this. A well-trained, the title of the article is A Well-Trained Workforce is Manufacturing's Future. And the whole article they talk about, you know, between Corona and everything else and how manufacturing is evolving and that companies need to reinvest in, re, they, they coined a real good term in here is reskilling. 
okay. is reskilling your workforce to maybe take the guy that, you know, maybe he did start out just running the saw and sweeping around, but he, he watches the guy that programs the robots and he's like, that's really, really cool. Like, how can I, how can I learn that? Well, again, it's not something you go to school for, or how do I, how do I set up the pallet cell in the big horizontal machining center? Like, you know, you run four uh, horizontal cells with, you know, a 40 pallet system. Like who, who programs that? Who sets all that stuff up? Who, who's in, who's the, who's the, uh, the shift lead on a, a big horizontal cell or a big robotic turning cell or investment casting or MIM or injection molding? Like, Absolutely. Like, like who, who, who's setting that stuff up? So I, I really want to, to emphasize that a lot of this still has to be company driven internally. So, uh, you know, companies need to, to, to look at their own employees, the people they still have working for them and say, how can I make this next batch of, of employees the best that this company can produce? And, and so there, the, the whole article talks about training people for new roles, reinvesting in, in programs on, uh, they talk about Stan, uh, Black and Decker is teaming with robotics companies and they're bringing that into, you know, back into the, to, uh, to the manufacturing, manufacturing floor, excuse me, and, and training their own employees on completely new tasks versus just hiring people, just hiring new people or laying people off. You know, they're giving people, Hey, do you want to learn this? Like, like this is the way manufacturing is going. You either, you either hop on the train or you're going to be left, left behind. Right. And they talk about the whole four year, one size fits all education. It's just, it's not, it doesn't work anymore. And now like a lot of people, not just companies, but people themselves are questioning that. And, and it's really starting to see the shift. But again, we like we as manufacturers and we as industry people need to keep pushing that because it's, it's starting to change. It's starting to turn and we have to keep pushing it. We have to keep supporting it saying it's okay to raise your hand and say, Hey, can I go learn that? It's okay. I can tell you from the management side and the executive side of a company that that I will applaud nothing. I, I will applaud nothing more than someone standing up in a, in a company meeting. We're talking about new technology, and someone says, "Hey, has anyone uh, has anyone like you know called dibs on learning this new machine?" I'm like, "Nope, cool. I'll take it. Done. Like so, you want to press your you want to press your employer. You want you want a career. You want you want a you want a career more than a job. That's how you do it." And so many of these, you know, so much of manufacturing that exists in this country is really small facilities. It's it's small shops and it's, it's under under a hundred employee companies. Yeah, people exactly. don't understand how much of U.S. manufacturing is sub one hundred people, uh, one one hundred employee facilities. And those are facilities where that you know the management staff knows the people working on the floor with them, and yeah. they're there. Like these people are under a true. A truly good company understands that they're investing in their people and that their people yep. is their best commodity. And 
that is the big word. That's the key word is the investment. And that's, I think that's how we get everybody involved in this. We get the country as a whole involved in, and get them invested in understanding that this is a critical part of our world. Um, we get the companies, listen, the other one, the companies need to be involved. They need to be, like you said, they need to be out there, one, encouraging their own employees to grow because yep. continuing to grow your skill only is it, success will follow you. That's just how it goes. If you are somebody who's yes. not willing to stop and be who you are and you want to be more, then the success will find you. You don't have to find it. Yep. Uh, and then just the same, we've got to get companies out there, you know, me preaching from my own soapbox, get out there <laughs> with the education, with the robotics programs and with community outreach yeah. and let them know, Hey, there's great opportunities. I mean, we just had manufacturing day, like we were talking about. Yeah. It's, it's nobody knows about that. Even I missed it just about, um, yeah. and I'm, I'm involved in it. That's something that needs to be, you know, much more prevalent, much more out there. We have no problem seeing SunTrust Bank on the side of, you know, sports teams. And we have no problem seeing large companies placed. And I know that that involves sponsorship money and stuff like that. But it also doesn't hurt that inside your community, if your company is out there, part of a local 5K or they're sponsoring a, yeah. you know, a, a, a robotics team simply by providing your time. That's all they need to see. They need to well, see and, the successful and, people. And that's the difference. So the difference in supporting manufacturing and infrastructure and all that stuff and, and, and a lot of this is people think that, oh, that you just have to write a check. A lot of times it's actually much cheaper than that. Like if yeah. you look at dollars spent to... Uh, whatever the ratio is, you know, dollars spent to dollars received, a well-trained, good, valuable employee is always worth more than it costs you to get them there. And I promise you, there is no, you know, I, I have introduced into my own network of teachers that I'm helping to, uh, kind of guide and mentor the idea of an ROI that yep. there's no reason that, you know, a good, a good community outreach program or a good educational partnership program doesn't have an ROI. And that is your skilled, trained, valuable employee who already has an appreciation for what you do coming into it. Um, and that's, and that's really where we need to be thinking about how we treat the people we've got and how we, you know, invest into those people, you know, we can give them, we can give them obviously, you know, money to help survive in, in the way that times are, but at the same time, giving them the opportunities to grow. And this, this is, listen, in, in all fairness, on the other side of the coin, there's your litmus test to yeah. gauge the employee employees that you do have. If there's somebody that you're presenting opportunities for that or within reason, you know, if it's something sure. where they don't have to travel, you're paying for them to go do it. They can do it during company time. It's not that big a deal to, to get there and do it. And yeah. it makes perfect sense for their growth. If they keep balking at it and it's nothing they're interested in and they just want to be in the spot they're in, if that's not something you're satisfied with and that's not the people you want in your company, well, you already found them. Yeah. And, and well, I hate to and, say and that, but that's, it is, it is what it is. But then as a, as a company owner or as a management, stuff like that, then don't accept it. Right. Don't, 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 yeah, don't, don't accept that that's okay. Be like, look, if you want to push and, and get, you know, get with the times, you know, if, <laughs> if you want, if, if you want to be a progressive company that is survivable and is, is strong through the ups and downs of manufacturing, um, that you, you have to have, uh, a flexible yet very strong 
well-bonded workforce. You know, you have to have people that can cross train. You have to have people that can really uh, be a value adder to your company. Right. And those people are worth so much more than it costs to get them. And, and that, that, again, that's, that's an employer that uh, that's a harp on employers as well is they have this stagnant mentality of that. It costs so much money. It's just easier to hire someone else. No, it's not. I've been there and done that. It is, it is exponentially. And I'm sure there's studies that show how much cheaper it is, you know, on the, on the company side to train within versus hire out. And it's hundred percent true. Like I'd say 99.9% of the time, if you have good employees and you have a good work environment and you have the capabilities, then look within before you start scouting outside. I mean, I can only imagine just the onboarding alone is, is it's a so lot. At, and, and a lot of people don't understand that too, of how much money it actually costs to onboard someone. It is, so much more than their salary. People are like, oh, well, they're just they're just paying me. That's all it costs. No, no, the it costs paycheck. so much more. Yep. Than than that. So you know, as an employer, like I'm looking within. Like not. Yes, it's it's to save money, but it's to save money so that I can afford to do that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And I can afford to invest in technology and invest back in the employees, so that I have. You know, I have a staff. I don't have a bunch of people that clock in. There's a very big difference. And, but again, I have to drive that from the top. I have to drive that as this is the company mentality. Right. And, and U.S. manufacturing really needs to, to really push. Like, they're pushing it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're not. I'm saying we have to keep going. Keep pushing. Um, become this, this industrial powerhouse that the u.s used to be many many years ago absolutely it's nothing that we can let go of and the the stigma is out there and the fight is out there and it needs to be a discussion of you know we i think they i think there was a study recently that said there was something about this generation that there's more people living at home either going back to living at home or never even leaving uh, you know, like their parents' house or staying, living with family members like that than there ever has been before. We've got yeah. a lot of economic issues happening with so many people. We have so many employment issues. And, you know, thankfully at the time of us recording this, things are starting to come back a little bit. Um, yeah. But as a general rule, a lot of manufacturing stayed essential. A lot of it stayed functional. And, you know, the, the opportunity is there. And, and I'm hoping that one of the one of the things that's coming out of this is people recognizing that, um, you know, that there's value in having a career that it has some kind of stability, um, yeah. having a skill in manufacturing, having the ability to be a really good CNC machinist or being a, uh, a really good press break operator or being a programmer or something like that, that is a or transferable be, skill or, or being a plumber, be a woodworker. Absolutely. Be, you know, be, be a, be a skilled, uh, a skilled trade that like that stuff doesn't not everybody thinks that like oh that's just gonna die off with the times no they, yeah or <laughs> robots you, are gonna be in there and robots are gonna be able to yeah. do my job for me listen yeah. that's true some of the skills the robots are yeah. taking but ultimately we have to put those robots in place and then oh god 
Who's going to program them? Yeah, see, this is... Be, this... Be, be that guy. Be like, oh, you, you don't want to get replaced by the robot? Okay, then be better than it. And be be necessary. Uh, so Make yourself so necessary that they can't put the robots in without you. That's how you do it. I... Th- I talked to a company, um, this was a couple of years ago when I was touring different facilities and trying to foster some partnerships and they, this is, this was a large company, a very, you know, very prominent, very well-known company. And they do, uh, there's one product line that they offer and they were doing the entirety of it out of this plant. And we're talking worldwide stuff, enormous amounts. So they had a lot of PLC and a lot of automation going on in their systems. And they were using like two-level multi-tier type production happening. Um, And, you know, that the plant manager was telling me, you know, I can get simple operators, you know, box box builders and collapsers and just simple, easy employment from anybody. Um, He said, I have a nightmare of a time trying to get people in here to keep this place functional. And he said, so many people think that we switch to this much automation that there's no need for the people. And they're absolutely wrong. The people that we do have are of such a higher caliber and such a higher quality and are getting paid so much more. And it is impossible to keep them in here. And it's... It makes me want to be very clear to everybody that this stigma is outdated and it's dumb and it's not necessary anymore because it's just not the case. You know, success is... It, it, it doesn't apply anymore. No, no. Success is totally different. It's, it is not dependent on one industry or another. And at this point, success needs to be measured on your ability to become a, a productive part of society. And, and supporting yourself and your family and taking care of the people that depend on you, that's that's the priority. And we need to focus that around. I even tell the parents, I've told them before, I said, how many of you want to make sure that your child has the opportunity to move out of your house? <laughs> and I guarantee you every single one of them raises their hand. Every single one of them. Yeah. And sometimes you even have to phrase it. How many of you want your your son or daughter to not be living in the basement for the next 10 years? You know, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is an opportunity for them to be self-sufficient. Yeah. And and that is when when you change the concept of understanding that there is no there is no prestige in all of this. All right. There's no there's no this isn't mean girls and we're not all trying to be Regina George and it's not that we wear <laughs> pink on Wednesdays, okay? <laughs> all right. And if you who are dads totally know that you can get or are married are gonna get that reference. But listen, oh, yeah. it's it, there's it's there's, true. It, there's no it's true. There's no status in this. And then honest to God, everybody who's in one of these blue collar industries with us, we all feel the same. We all are like, that is awesome. You you're able to do that. That's cool. And yeah. more often than not, I've noticed the people in this industry are always extra fascinated with somebody else that has a blue collar job that is not their industry. Yep. So I meet a mason and I'm like, that is fascinating. I want to see how you do that. Or a woodworker coming to a machinist shop. Oh, oh man, how does that work? You know, and, and yep. want to know more. So it's that kind of, uh, it, it's just letting go. It's going back to that almost childlike curiosity and acceptance of, hey, this person is doing something they like. They're doing something that's cool. And, and that's where it needs to be. So yes, the stigma still exists. It's still difficult. We're still fighting through it, but we're definitely not where we were. What would you say? Five, 10 years ago? We're yeah. definitely not. Nope. It's coming around. It's more accepted. It's more understanding that this is a critical and successful part of our world and our country. Um, but it has to keep getting pushed. Has to keep getting pushed. So, 
it's what we're fighting against. It's what we're talking about. I know all of you guys who are listening, who are thinking about this are thinking, God, you're right. This is important. And listen, that's, that's where I want to hear from some of you. I'd love to have comments on our social media. Um, tell us please growing interest in manufacturing. How do we do this? What are some of the ways that you're doing it? What are some of the things that that can happen? Um, I know, you know, Kyle and I are just two people, but we have, you know, our ear to the ground and we have people's people listening to some of the stuff we're saying. And if we can start spreading the right kind of words out there, we can at least help our own communities. And if we can share our resources, those of you who are listening, you know, you, you have a community that you're trying to help grow too. And you want to be a part of something that doesn't just disappear with you. You want it to be there and you want it to be what it deserves to be and what you know it is. So Let's help each other. Let's work together. We are always been a people who work together very well, and there's no reason we can't on this too. We gotta we gotta help grow the interest and build this back up. So oh, it's awesome. I know. Good stuff. <laughs> that's that's the thing. So tell us what you would do. We're, we we have ideas. We've implemented stuff, but this is where I'm polling the listeners. Please share with us. Uh, you know, let's talk about this. Let's get the conversation up and moving. Let's figure out how ways to, to help and be grassroots about this. So, uh, closing out that moving over to, uh, uh, the last part, the humbling part, because we all know we make mistakes, but do we really ever make mistakes or is it just, no, no, the, whoa, whoa, it, whoa, whoa, no. how dare, how dare you? Well then what, where did, whose mistake was it? Tool's fault. Duh. Tool's fault. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were talking about this and Kyle and I, I brought up something about 3D printing because, you know, that's the hot thing going on in our shop right now. Mm-hmm. And he actually had something happening there too. <laughs> um, you know, bed leveling is a big deal. Bed leveling is a big issue with 3D printing. And, um, you know, so we had some issues this week as we do. And listen, I, I invite them in my class because I like issues because it, it gives them a chance to see how to fix stuff or what went wrong. And uh, I had another set of machines who just couldn't get dialed in just right. We did learn that um, if you twist some of the bed leveling knobs a little bit too much the wrong way, that the screws, the studs that they're mounted on begin become loose. And then you can try to adjust it all you want and nothing ever gets leveled. And then ultimately we also discovered that uh, certain, certain layouts on the bed, one of my students discovered, one of the certain layouts will actually cause the because it's stretched out just right if you don't get everything just right it will just continue to print and not just print a blob but print print a blob that looks like it grew through the fans that it grew through the extruders yep. through the heat sinks out the housings i came i came into uh the the craziest looking plastic snowman i had ever seen <laughs> in my life and it was so we, awful we, we had one that uh i on ours that uh, it, it, the bed height wasn't right and got something set up and it started uh, extruding so much like incorrectly that the nozzle clipped it and it made <sighs> it jump, jump a tooth on the belt. No. So, like, the rest of the print was offset one, one, two. So the holes in this part we were printing had this like diagonal, like they were the three dimensional, uh, tunnel of like, I'm pretty sure that's, that's, that's not right. It looks like someone took the whole top part of the print and shifted it over. And it was because yeah, it wasn't, wasn't hit right. And the head just plowed into some extra extrusion plastic. (laughs) So, I mean, it was just one of those things like, Oh man. All right. Well, I guess we're reprinting that. Yeah. Um, it was so nice of the printer to do that instead of breaking tools. Just jump teeth. Yeah. <laughs> jump teeth, you know, that's fine. Don't worry about it. 
Oh so. my God. So just remember, you know, the bed leveling, God almighty, bed leveling, bed leveling. It's always important. You can't ever get it just right. But but it, it was a machine. It wasn't my fault. It I, wasn't I, his fault. No. It was the tool. Not at all. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so listen, if you guys have been listening, hey, we're, we're glad to have you here. We really appreciate all the support that we're seeing on social media. We appreciate all of our uh, regular listeners. We know who you are and we know that you're here. Um, you know, Kyle and I put a lot of work into, we're trying to build something that's got a lot of quality. Um, we try to put a lot of effort into the quality of the work that we're giving you and try to give you something that, that matters and that counts. And I know that this last episode and then this one, and probably even the next one will go over, but it's the season finale. So we're talking about stuff that matters and it's okay if you break this up and listen to it, but just thank you very much for participating. If you haven't already, please like us on, um, Instagram and Twitter, uh, we post to both of those and share this with a friend, share this with a colleague. Um, you know, feel free to reach out to us and comment us. And if whatever service you're listening on, whether it's Apple or Google or Podcast Addict or any of the others, please, uh, if you have the opportunity to do a review, please do that. It helps us get up on the charts. It helps uh, get some more visibility and maybe get some other people on board. Yeah. Um, so thank you. Thank you for everything you're doing. We appreciate you being a part of this with us. So with that, just remember, till next time, it always fit in CAD. Hey, it always fit in CAD. <laughs> See you Take guys. Take it easy, everyone. Bye.